Welcome to the Purposeful Parent Podcast, a podcast for inspired parents. I'm Melissa. And I'm Kristen. I'm a parent of two little girls and the founder of Inner Architects. I love guiding parents and giving them a space to meaningfully connect, communicate effectively, break cycles, and learn to intentionally parent their kids. I'm an educator, a children's book author, and founder of Language Ninjas. With Language Ninjas and my books on the power of our words, parents and kids are given tools to empower their language. On this podcast, we are highlighting parents and educators who are choosing to mindfully show up differently for kids. Today, we are sitting down to talk with Alana Gentry, also known as Alana Banana, children's music artist from the Alana Banana Show. Alana is a foster mom. She also helps grownups connect with themselves and give themselves permission to do things they love every day. When people feel better, it influences those around them, especially the little ones. Through her podcast, Inspired Grownups with Alana Banana, Alana has Alana helps parents find more presence in their daily lives. And we're excited. You're officially our first interview for this podcast. So we're excited to be kicking off by talking with you on the Purposeful Parent Podcast. So welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here and happy to see you again, Kristen, and meet you, Melissa. So all right. Yeah, go ahead, Melissa. <laughs> Yeah, we're we're gonna kick it off. We um we want to know more about you. So we want to know um, the untraditional path of parenting that you've decided to take. Um, let's jump right into that and and tell people what you're doing and and why. Sure. Yeah. I mean, oh, going back, I always envision myself being a mother. I have a brother who, well, I have an older sister and a brother who's 10 years younger. So when he was born, I was like, jumped, I jumped into the role of mini mom and I just loved it. And then of course that led to babysitting and, you know, through my teens. And I just knew I was going to be a parent someday, but I always also visualized myself being a parent, an older parent. And maybe that is because my mom had my brother at 41 and um, it was unexpected. The doctor actually told her she could never get pregnant again. And then there she goes at 40, <laughs> having him at 41. So it just didn't seem unrealistic to me. And nobody um, ever really talked to me about fertility issues or women that had dealt with that. It wasn't a conversation I was really that aware of until I got into my later 30s and realized, Hmm, it's not just happening. <laughs> you know, um, my husband and I, we've known each other for so long since our early twenties, we were in a band together friends and didn't really become a couple until about seven years into our relationship. And so I, I got married a little later in life at 36 and I, yeah, after a couple years and not getting pregnant, you know, a few friends said, well, why don't you just go get checked out, see if everything is, you know, working properly. <laughs> and so we did. Um, I have to say I had a little resistance to it. One, because I was raised, my mom was very into holistic medicine and healing. She definitely took us to the doctor. I mean, she wasn't like anti-Western medicine, but she always would use homeopathics or herbs or things before. And so I didn't really think I wanted to go um, through IVF or anything like that. Um, I did actually end up going through all of that, but initially that wasn't, I, I, I wasn't like, yes, I'm going to try this, you know? Um, so I, of course changed, uh, I, I would say, I was going to say change my diet. I was a pretty good, you know, I, I eat healthy and, but I was trying to go into my, where my stress wise, I was doing acupuncture, um, I was actually, I, I practice yoga. I've been practicing yoga for a little over two decades. And so meditation, I was really trying to get into, well, are there any blocks what's going on? And one that came out was like, well, yeah, I want, I want a career. I want a career, but I also want to be a mom. And my mom was a stay at home mom. So I think subconsciously that was really affecting me of like, mm, can I have both? Even though I had lots mm -hmm. of women around me that were doing both 
I really think it was a subconscious like belief of how can I do both? And I just thought, well, so I had to work through that. And it's interesting when challenges arise and I'm sure you probably can relate or anybody listening that if you really are open to looking at why the challenge is here and what can I learn from it, you really do uncover things about yourself. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, uh, I ended up, um, between my husband and I, basically they really couldn't see many issues at all. They're like, you're just old. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't say it that way, but that's pretty much, you know, and I'm like, what do you mean? I mean, I've been teaching children and, you know, playing children's music, working with kids, teaching music classes for babies and toddlers. I feel so young. I'm doing yoga. I'm like, come on. And I really didn't love the whole statistic thing of, you know, how, how your egg quality decreases so much in your late thirties, early forties. And I'm like, I know plenty of women who get pregnant in their forties. So I, you know, I, I listened, but I also thought, well, this is my body and who's to say what my body can or can't do. And, um, but I did say, okay, well, let's do some IUI. So that's just insemination. I, I don't know how many people, you know, who's listening knows details about IUI versus IVF. Um, but IUI is definitely less invasive. It's less expensive. They basically monitor when you're ovulating, you can use medication or not to stimulate your ovulation. And then they insert the sperm really like in the uterus when you're ovulating. Um, it's pretty amazing what they can do with Western medicine, how they like, they spin the sperm and get like the best ones. Oh, wow. (laughs) And so we did three rounds of that and none of them were successful, which was definitely disappointing. Um, through this, we took breaks. My husband and I love to travel. So we're like, let's travel. Let's do all the things that we, you know, can do without children easily. And that's travel and just have Mm -hmm. spontaneous adventures. So we did that. And then by the time I turned 41, I, I was going to acupuncture every week and my acupuncture, my acupuncturist actually suggested seeing a fertility doctor, another one. And I'm like, Oh, they're just going to want me to do IVF. She's like, yeah, but just see what they have to say. So I did. And I came to the decision that, you know, if I don't try IVF, I'm always going to wonder, like, if I don't try it and that I don't get pregnant, I'm always going to wonder like, what if, what if, Now we had definitely talked about fostering and adoption through all of this, but it didn't, I didn't feel really called to pull the trigger on that right away. Um, I really did want to at the time experience pregnancy. And so, um, of course a huge factor in IVF is finance financial. Um, Mm -hmm. I know every state is different and, but in, I'm in Los Angeles and California, you know, insurance doesn't pay for it. So, um, one of the biggest lessons I learned in trying IVF looking back was being open to receiving help from people because Mm -hmm. I'm somebody who really likes or has liked in the past to do everything by myself or just feel like I can do it. You know, I'm like, (laughs) like, don't worry, I've got it. I've got it. You know, I can take care of myself. And even though I have a supportive family, I just had that within me. So I had to, um, just be open to receive. And one of my oldest friends, actually two of my oldest friends, um, actually both really, um, you know, they have the means and they wanted to gift us, um, and family help too, and just wanted to help us with the cost. Mm -hmm. And my whole thing in the beginning was like, I'm paying you back. I'm paying you back. I'm making payments. And then they were both like, that's not happening. And of course I had to, I I remember very specifically pulling off the side of the road and just like breaking down into tears because of the generosity. And I like, so we went for it and we ended up doing three rounds um, because when you're in it, it's like, you know, if you don't get what you want the first time, the doctors of course are like, try again. And, mm-hmm. um, so IVF is definitely more invasive for those who are listening and might not know you're getting blood taken every other day. You're taking like heavy duty medication. Um, 
having ultrasounds like every other day. And I was doing acupuncture in conjunction with that because I heard that it helps with hormones and just emotion, your emotional state, which it definitely Mm -hmm. did. Mm -hmm. And, um, we did three rounds. We didn't actually end up transferring anything back because the goal was to gather embryos or gather zygotes, you know, the Mm -hmm. eggs and, and since we are in it, we're like, let's get them genetically tested. Um, I was over 40, I was 41, 42 at the time. And when they tested them, none of them came back viable. So that was really, of course, disappointing after all of that. Um, I, one get one great gift. Another great gift was the day after I found out that none of them were viable to transfer. We had a trip to Maui planned. (laughs) My husband is a musician as well and works, does weddings and corporate events. And he was playing out in Maui and I decided to get a ticket because it was like, okay, this might be the last time without a child for a while, or if it doesn't work, I'm going to need this for my healing. And that's what happened. And it was the, so great. It was like mm-hmm. a huge gift. I mean, anybody again, who's gone through a hard time, if you get some, go somewhere beautiful, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really hard to be really sad when you're immersed in, in such beauty. And I would just go in the ocean every day and cry. I think it's definitely important to let yourself grieve and feel all the feelings, but I was crying, um, I guess for loss, but also gratitude, gratitude that I was able to travel gratitude that I, I was able to be in this beautiful ocean and that look at all this abundance really in my life of the ocean and the, the beauty of Maui and, um, like, why am I sad about this? Like, I know I'm somebody because of my background and yoga meditation and just self-help in general. I'm like, this is, there is a reason behind all of this. There is a reason it didn't work out. And I just have to trust in the bigger picture. And I'm getting a little emotional because it's, it's constantly the message that I remind myself of. Like when things don't go the way you think that you want them to go, like there is a bigger picture. And Um, we decided to take a break after that and just really let it go. And I feel like I got to a place within that year of being okay with not being a parent. I'm surrounded by so many children, friends, kids, nieces and nephews, kids that I teach. And I was really looking at, um, the benefits, honestly, of not having a child of just the freedom, Mm -hmm. you know, to take off freedom financially, like all of it. Um, and I, then after a year or so, I always wanted to do a silent retreat. So I decided to go down to Encinitas near San Diego. A friend said, Oh, go to this place. And I went for like two and a half days. And in that time of just resting and writing and meditating and prayer, and it was just very clear the message of like, you are meant to be a mother you're meant to be a mother. And at that point, I just like raised my hands, like, all right, then show me the way. Like, I don't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. I don't want to push like, and then all these synchronicities happen. I actually talk about this more in my, my first inspired grown-ups podcast episode, mm-hmm. but I, all of these synchronicities about around adoption started coming up of just podcasts I would listen to or books that I would like, I love reading memoirs which is another reason why I started a podcast. I just love hearing people's stories. And I got this book at the library. I had no idea it had an adoption story intertwined in it. And I, I'm also somebody that does look at those synchronicities and think, okay, this is showing me something. And I ended up bringing to my husband's attention, like, okay, I've been thinking a lot about adoption lately. And he's like, I have been too, but we hadn't talked about it in a while. So we're like, let's just go for it. So we started doing research on private adoption versus foster to adopt and ended up um, deciding to foster. We just felt very called to do that um, after hearing about how many children need homes and um, just being able to be that uh, for somebody. And they really do uh, prepare you that fostering is temporary and that the goal is reunification with the biological family. So that was something we had to really wrap our head, heads around and our hearts. 
um, we, I remember asking the woman who trained us, well, like we're, we're going to get so attached. What do you do? You're going to get so attached. She was like, well, that's, that's your job. That's your job is to teach attachment. So that's, you know, mm-hmm. we don't, we don't want to have anybody here that doesn't want to get attached <laughs> because mm-hmm. you, you really want to show mm-hmm. a child attachment mm-hmm. and what it is to be loved that, that much. Mm-hmm. So it's been quite the, quite the experience. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. And you, you had an experience too, right? Where you had a ch- uh, child you were fostering and then was it only one experience where you had, where you, um, it, then he went off to be back with his family or have you had multiple experiences like that? Yeah. So we're pretty new at fostering. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been during COVID. We actually finished our training through COVID mm-hmm. and it was actually the best time for us because our work schedule went down a lot and we were home. My husband travels a lot for work. So he was home and, and then yes, we, so we've only had one prior to our daughter now. So we had a newborn, a 10 day old baby boy that showed up and he was with us for three months. And it's so crazy because they call you, you can say yes or no to any intake Mm -hmm. call. Um, but they call you with very little information and you have to make a choice like right then and there. And, um, so it's really like trusting your gut (laughs) instinct and it's really like a stork dropped off a baby at your house, Mm -hmm. like all those social workers. And there's so many mixed feelings because for me throughout this whole fostering process, so many mixed emotions, um, because, I've wanted a baby for so long. And then this new baby shows up, but I'm thinking about his biological mother and how devastated she must feel mm-hmm. in having her baby taken from her at 10 days old. Mm-hmm. Um, she was expecting it. She had another toddler in foster care and um, I went into it. We both went into it. Like this is temporary. This is temporary. And how can we support this child, but also how can we support this mother. And it was definitely so hard when he left, but we knew it was the right thing. His mom was doing everything she was supposed to do. He actually didn't reunite with her right away. He went to the home where his brother was at, um, because the goal was to get them in the same home so they could bond before Mm -hmm. they reunite back with their mom. And we were lucky that the home he went to was somebody that was in our agency. So we, as hard as it was to say goodbye, um, and I cried like every day for two weeks (laughs) before and after (laughs) we, we got, we still got to see him. Sometimes it's just when people, you know, when a child leaves, that's it. You just never hear from them. Mm -hmm. And another goal of mine was to have a good relationship with the biological mother as much as they would allow, because I thought, well, if this child reunites, I've heard stories of people staying in touch and you still being a support system for that parent, they can call on you to babysit or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, so they have since reunited with their mom and we have seen them not in a while, but, um, it's actually his birthday tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I know this won't be coming out tomorrow, but yeah. Um, he'll be two now. And it, it was great. Actually, we're very, very happy for her and for the healing work that she's done. And so he left at three months, three weeks went by. I personally was like, I'm ready to bring in another baby. I knew that that would heal, help heal my heart. And my husband was a little more, he didn't really process it until our first child left. So I did take a little trip to visit my parents with my sister when we came back, it was right around the holidays and, uh, we got a call from our agency saying no pressure, but <laughs> it was around the holidays. It was COVID and they were like, so many people, we are getting so many calls. And so when you're ready, like, let us know. So we got a call three weeks later for a three month old little girl. So, and that's who we are still with mm-hmm. uh, like almost mm-hmm. two years later. Wow. Yeah. So when they call, is it basic information too, like no pressure. We've got a, like, do they give you just the basic information and then you say yes or no? Yeah. When, if you're with an agency, like Mm -hmm. some people do just go through DCFS to get, um, I'm sure every state has their version department of children, family services. Mm -hmm. Um, I 
I would say I, for me personally, I think going through a specific foster agency is a little bit better. That's been my experience or just what I've heard because you get extra support from that agency. Ours has like support groups and Mm -hmm. just different things, ways to connect with parents. And so they know what you're kind of looking for as far as, uh, you can say, you could say race, you could say age. We were open to any race we wanted. We knew we wanted an infant one Mm -hmm. because of our space. And also we have small dogs that needed to get, um, you know, used to a child being at home or one dog in particular, um, that would need a little time. Uh, and, and I work with children, babies and toddlers, and I, I just know how important the first three years of a child's life are. And I wanted to be a part of that developmental time. I was feeling guilty at first because that you hear those stories about older kids that need homes so much. Um, but there are some families that do want school age children, so they don't have to, they can just, they can be in school. They don't have to find childcare. And also, um, our agency was saying, oh, we get so many calls for infants. So don't feel bad. We need both. We need all kinds of people looking for all things. So yes, but they call you with the name, with the age, Um, they give you very little background on why they were removed from the home Mm -hmm. and really anything they could find out, but it's usually like those main few things. And then you start to, it's like an onion, peel back the layers. And a lot of the information is confidential, but you end up learning a lot through, Mm -hmm. through the biological family. Like we've, we've been monitoring visits. That's another thing you have to monitor visits if the parents at all present. And sometimes somebody from DCFS will monitor, but with the, with our daughter who we have now, we've monitored almost all of the visits. And sometimes that's emotionally really hard, but at the same time, I've learned so much about her background, family history, all of the things that I would like to share with her someday when she's older. Beautiful. What are some of the ways that you and your husband are intentionally you know, showing up for her and parenting her? Mm. Well, right now, because she is so young and an infant, I mean, we treat her like she's our own since the day she came in to our lives. I mean, the love is no different. And it's really interesting because I do feel like she's our daughter. Uh, I mean, we will, we are moving towards adoption next year. That is, um, I would say 99%. You know, it's never final until it's final, mm. but, um, loving her like she is our own. I I'm a believer. I know everyone has their own beliefs, but yes, that blood is strong, but I also believe in soul connections and definitely feel like we are soulmates. Mm. Um, she has a Hawaiian name when we got that call. Cause we love to go to Hawaii. Mm. We were like, it's meant to be, you know, <laughs> and she's not even Hawaiian, but she has a Hawaiian name. Mm. And, um, So just nurturing in that way, moving forward as she gets older, we feel it's very important to, to share her story with her age appropriately, of course, but she will always know that she is adopted or right now fostered. She all, even now I say, you have two mamas, you know, when we see her other mom, because we do see her Mm -hmm. and we do have a good relationship with her. She's just not in a place to be able to take care of her. Um, and I've made it clear to her biological mother that she will always know her story. She will always have a relationship. We don't know what those boundaries look like yet because it really does depend on how healthy she is. Uh, but her grandmother is very much in her life. So just mm, for right now, it's like, she's a toddler. So, <laughs> um, but I do want to raise her. I feel in my heart, um, Sharing her story is so important, but also just raising her to have kindness and compassion and empathy towards all different types of people. Um, because, you know, she definitely came from a very different background than she's living right now. And so she'll be aware of that, but I don't want her to treat people differently. So it's like, okay, how much, how can we teach her to have compassion and empathy? And I guess I believe that's just through modeling really modeling the behavior. Um, also just showing her the world, showing her how to help others and 
I travel is a big thing for us. We still want to travel with her. It's a little, it's a little tricky with foster care because you have to get approval to take them out of the County. Um, which isn't always hard. It's just kind of mm, bugging a social worker, like all the time Mm. to get that approval, (laughs) which is kind of not fun, but I look forward to not having to get approval and then Mm. just being able to like show her the world. (laughs) Spur of the moment trips can happen. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's it's so beautiful. Um, I'm interested in your podcast and Mm. when Kristen introduced you, she talked about um, that you're helping parents find more presence in their daily lives. You're giving them permission to do things that they love for themselves. What does that mean to you? What, what inspired your podcast and then how are you doing that for yourself? Yeah. Well, I, I, I briefly mentioned that I have, I've been in the self-help world as far as just for my own mental, uh, you know, I guess mental clarity, mental healing, um, heart healing, just, I've always been I've always gravitated towards, uh, the metaphysical or the mystical, uh, in life. And since my twenties actually, and I'm a believer that, you know, our thoughts become things and we can really create any life that we want. And I, I started the podcast. Well, originally it started as wanting to be a podcast for children, like a story time podcast, which I still would like to do someday mm-hmm. because I have all this children's music and content and we're like, let's do story time for kids. And then I realized, well, I love kids, but I really love connecting with parents too. And grownups just, I call them grownups because I'm around kids so much. <laughs> so just, um, parents and because I have been practicing uh, mindfulness and presence and what that can do for me in my daily life. I think it's so important to share that and try to help others just tap into that more for me, even though I've been practicing this for over 20 years, it's still a daily practice. Mm -hmm. Um, and now being a mom, I thought, well, I know how easy it is to get so wrapped up in our child and our children's life and being the caretaker in the doing. And it's so important to just come back to ourselves, even if it's like, for me, I used to do yoga four times a week at a studio that obviously changed very quickly once I had a newborn in the house. And now I find 10 minutes in the morning to come in this room I'm in right now to just meditate or read a passage from a book that's going to uplift me because I think we all know, especially in the world we're living in right now, it's really easy to, for our minds to spin out a little bit, (laughs) you know, the news, whatever. I don't watch the news, but it, you know, I listen to radio. I listen to what's going on. I read about it, but, uh, it's easy to just spin out of like all the things we need to do, especially as parents. Mm -hmm. Um, so sometimes I'll stick my earbuds in and listen to an inspiring podcast, even if it's for 10 minutes, or I'll come in my room and meditate, or I'll get up a little bit earlier if I can and do 10 minutes of stretching or yoga, because those things for me, bring me back to myself and I can clear every all the other thoughts and just come back to, okay, what is it that I want for my day? And I'm a, such a big believer that any day, anything can change we really do have the power to change a thought. And sometimes that's just me again. Another tool is taking my dogs out for a walk for 10 minutes. And that includes asking for help, right? Asking as a parent, asking your partner, can you just hang out with them, (laughs) the child for 15 minutes or give me 30 minutes. Or if you don't have a partner, you're single, or, you know, maybe it is hiring somebody for a little bit or, asking an, you know, another adult around you. I know parents also do like trades as their kids get older of like, let me watch your kids for a night. So we could go have dinner and then vice versa or something. We're not there yet with the trades, but, um, (laughs) I just felt like I felt very inspired to create inspired grownups to just talk about those things, but also to have conversations with other adults, other grownups that are doing things in their life that really bring them joy. I'm really lucky. I feel lucky that I'm able to 
have music as my work. And that brings me joy sharing songs. Um, but like, like Kristen, you, mm-hmm. you know, in your book and what you're creating, like when she was on my podcast, like, mm-hmm. I mean, the people that I love to invite on are also doing things that are uplifting the world, bring a little more light into the world. Um, and I think the more we do those little things that help us to feel better in our day, the more open we are to getting those little insights of inspiration of like, okay, well, how can I move forward to feel better? I think the more we feel better, the more things that are going to show up in our life that will help us with that as well, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And all of that being said, like I said before, it's still very important to process the emotions if they're not feel good emotions. Right. Mm -hmm. I had a teacher once say like, anger is not bad. It's just something that needs to be moved through your body. So Mm -hmm. get it out, whether it's yelling at a pillow, like hitting a pillow, working out, writing, you know, journaling is big for me writing it out and then trying not to hold on to it, let it go so that you can be open to what's right in front of you, which can be a very different thing than what you were holding on to. Yeah. I've heard, um, whether or not this is fully true, but I've heard Mm -hmm. that if an emotion like you are able to witness it and feel it instead Mm -hmm. of holding on to it, that it'll take about, it, it hangs out for about 90 seconds. And then after that, like, if you've allowed it to move it, can go on. I I know for me, yeah. and it's probably because I've held on to things for a lot of my life <laughs> that I could take like half a day sometimes if I allow it, <laughs> but that could also be me wallowing. So <laughs> as you get in the practice though, too, of like allowing the emotion to be processed and felt, it does become easier to, to be able to move through it versus I, if you hold on to that anger, it's going to boil out somewhere else. Totally. Yeah. I totally agree with that. And I think like what you said was so true. The more you do it, I know for me, my experience, the more I do it of like, okay, this doesn't feel good in my body. There's something that needs to let go. And I let, I find a way and a space to move that energy through. Then I do feel so much better. And then the next time I'm like, oh, it works. Mm -hmm. I really think somebody can tell you something so many times, but unless you have the experience and I think the experience is going to be different for everybody. And how they feel like they need to get it out. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just need to go into your car. If nobody has a space where they can scream, get in your car and turn up your music and like scream, <laughs> you know, or yell like you're yelling at somebody and then let it go. And then like, okay, I can, move, mm-hmm. I can move on. Yeah. As a parent, Chris and I have talked about this and the intention of why we wanted to do this podcast was really to help parents feel connected in a way where they feel less alone with Mm. the things that they're feeling about specifically about being a parent. Um, and I love the, the idea that you bring to the table of that permission to, to still be yourself. I think a lot of parents get stuck in this identity of like, well, I'm no longer myself. Now I'm a mom. Right. And we lose sight of the things that brought us joy and Unfortunately, I feel like society, if you still want to have a career or you still want to do something that brings you joy, that makes you less as a mom, that makes you less than when it comes to being a parent. Like you don't care about your kid as much if you still want to have a job or a career yeah. that's fulfilling to you. And that's something that I'm, you know, personally fighting against, but also like just trying to c- continue to have conversations with parents around you know, filling your own bucket first and what that means and how that trickles down into being a better mom, being a better partner, being a better, just human in general. Yeah. Uh, But I I love that that's your intention behind what you're doing and, um, that you're bringing that to the table as a mom. And I I just think it's beautiful. Oh, thank you. And what I'll say too, is I think a lot of it, and this is something I've been working on a lot in the last year, especially just when starting the podcast. And I think a huge thing as a parent, as a person in general, but definitely a parent is letting go of what people think. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, you know, people might've heard the quote, like, mm, it's like what other people think of you is none of your business is that when you can really get to a place of, and I feel like I've 
gotten pretty much gotten to this place. I, I I'm like almost surprises me that I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm really here is, and it sneaks in occasionally, but then I let it go. And it's, it is that if I can let go of what other people think about what I'm doing about any of it, parenting, what I like to do. And I say that in a sense of like, I used to have the belief that I would felt like I needed to be the only person to put my child to bed. Like they would feel so, oh my gosh, if I don't, if I'm not the one to do it, they would, they're going to be devastated. Right. And probably because my mom was the one that put me to bed every night. And when I had to leave town for a couple of days because of uh, a family health thing and uh, I had to leave our daughter with my husband for three days, I was like, oh my God, how am I going to do this? How am I going to leave my child to have him do it? And, but I had to really listen, think about that belief and be like, where is that coming from? First of all, and why do I care? Like if somebody, it's really my own inner critic, you know, that I'm like putting on myself and maybe somebody else that thinks that I I would be a better mom if I did it, but realizing that, oh no, there, he, he is very capable, my husband of putting this child down. And maybe it'll be a little different, but they're going to create this bond for a few days to do it. And once I let that go, it was my own belief, you know, my own critic, but also me worried about maybe what some other parent that was thinks that I would be the best person to do it. It just trickles like down. So, Mm -hmm. um, when I came back from that trip, it was the bond that my husband and her have that I saw grow in just a couple of days. And I, I did FaceTime with them. So it wasn't like I just let her go, you know, for three <laughs> days. Um, it was really, really amazing. And now I do sometimes we'll schedule a dinner with a friend or my business partner for the Atlanta banana show. We have a dinner on Wednesday night and I'm like, all right, daddy's going to do it. And he does it great. And I get to go do what I like or going to a yoga class once a week during her bedtime. It was hard at first, but now it's like, well, no, I mean, this works for me. And also it's showing her that like, she has two people that love her so much that do things differently, but that love her just the same. And I think as she gets older and I continue to do things for myself, it's showing her like, oh, look how mom's taking care of herself. Because when I go to that yoga class during her bedtime, right. You know, while he's putting her to sleep, I'm so much better for her the next day. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm just happier because I did something for myself. Same with the dinner thing or yeah. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah. Leading, uh, leading by example. Yeah. That's one of the things that is most important. Like kids learn, they learn by watching the adults, the grownups in their life. So if you're attending to yourself, that's what they're going to be learning to do for themselves. So that gives, that's giving your daughter such a huge head start that I wish I had 36 years before I did. <laughs> so. yeah. yeah. And I have another friend who is um, a mom who's an attorney who worked full time and dad was stay at home dad. And I watched their dynamic. And now that her daughter is 11, I've known her since she was a baby. It's like, they have such a great family unit. Uh, the daughter like is like, Oh yeah, look at my mom kick ass. It's like, you know, she's, and you know, mom was home, you know, she was there to make dinner. She loved doing that, but she was full-time, you know, working full-time and also a great mom. And mm-hmm. so I was lucky. I feel lucky to have those kind of examples too, mm-hmm. as I've gotten older to be like, no, I can't have both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Something I've been working through personally is also, um, going back to like not caring so much what other people think, like Mm -hmm. also reflecting on the idea that you are a mirror for me. I am a mirror for you other, you know, so we're, so, you know, I had a heated discussion with my mom last night, um, about some parenting styles and things we're doing with our daughter. And I got really upset because she basically called me out on some things that I know I could be better with. I know I could be doing differently. And I didn't want to hear it from her. And I got mad Mm -hmm. at her and really taking that time to sit back and reflect and saying, you know, where is this coming from? Why do I feel this way? Why do I care so much about what you care? And, and 
you know, if you care this much about what I'm doing, how is that a reflection on you as opposed to a reflection on me? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it gets sticky when you're like in there with your, like, um, with family units, right. Or like watching. Yeah. Or me feeling like my parents, well, my dad recently passed, but my mom is in another state, but my in-laws are here and it's like, you know, me definitely doing things different. I'm so grateful for their support. Um, uh, and actually my mother-in-law has passed too, but my father-in-law and his wife. So it's like, I, you know, they might want me to show up a certain way and I'm like, no, I'm doing this differently or just being like, okay, I feel confident and realizing, well, they're from a different generation and I, I just want to do things this way. And so (laughs) I'm just going to do it that way. And you can roll your eyes or whatever. They don't roll their eyes. Maybe they do behind (laughs) my back, but I don't know. (laughs) They're like, you just have to do what's right for you and your family. And I've heard that so many times before I was a mom. Like I have seen so many people parent in so many different ways. And like, you know, the, the co-sleep versus the crib sleep. And it's like, do what's right for you. Like, Mm -hmm. like, right. Just do what works for you and what feels best to your heart, you know? Oh yeah. yeah. And from the other side of things where I remember way back in the day when my older brother and his wife had their first couple kids, they'd be late all the time. And I'm like, just plan an hour ahead. Like just, you know, like start getting ready an hour earlier. And then I was working in childcare in the twos room and I tried to get them to go outside. And first it was cleanup. I was doing diapers while trying to get two-year-olds to clean up and two of them had pooped. Um, Finally get that taken care of. Everything's clean. They're lined up. The other two pooped. And I'm like, we missed out on almost their whole entire outside (laughs) just because this is what life is when you're with toddlers. And my judgment on um, what it should should (laughs) look like or what you could do as a parent, very quickly I was humbled. So doing your own thing too. You are the expert on yourself. You are the expert on your family unit and all those other people are just throwing out their opinions. Yeah, <laughs> right. Absolutely. I've been coaching people for a really long time. Um, I used to own a gym, nutrition, lifestyle, and, you know, I wish I could go back 10 years ago or even six years ago before my daughter was born and, and, apologize to some of the parents that I was like, oh. you can make time and you're just not prioritizing this correctly. And, you know, and now I'm a parent, I'm like, oh, maybe you really couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that was really as difficult as you were saying. You know? Yeah. I think it's also being gentle with yourself because as a parent, because I find myself, you were saying that about the working out, like I like to exercise and like do yoga or go to the gym. And I just can't always get it in, you know, with mm-hmm. all the things that I'm doing with working part-time and being a mom, she's only in daycare a few mornings a week. So it's like, I get a lot done during her nap. And sometimes I'm just exhausted by the time she goes to sleep. So I don't feel like working out then, but then I have to remind myself, like, be gentle. You just walked like so much, like following this toddler around, you know, (laughs) or like you walk to the park. That's, that's kind of a workout. So don't worry about it. You know? Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's just, I feel like our perspective needs to continually shift. Also for me realizing with her right now, she's in this independent phase, which is so great for her. (laughs) But for me, I'm like, I have a plan for my day. Like, let's do this. And then, (laughs) and then I'm realizing when I find like any kind of annoyance or frustration that comes up for a second, I'm in this place right now, just in my life in general of really paying attention to those emotions and feelings that come up and be like, Oh no, I actually can shift that in the moment and change it. So when it comes up, I'm like, do I really have to get her out the door that right this second? Is that really a priority? Like, can I let her linger for a while or vice versa at the park? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, there is yes, setting boundaries for certain things when you know you have to do that. But then also like, do I really have to do what I just thought I needed to do in my mind? Or can I just be open to what the moment is presenting and what this child who has their own personality, their own like lessons they need to learn in life. Like, can I just be open to that? And I find for myself when I let go a little and just be a little more gentle with myself and just let myself take a breath in it, I end up having a better time instead of like fighting against what's actually happening in the moment. I can 100% resonate with that. And really, 
like having an expectation for your day, but trying to communicate that to a two-year-old, you know, it's, yeah. it's impossible. And even, you know, when, you know, trying to get our kids ready for school or something silly where like there is a set time, mm-hmm. you know, my husband's beautiful in the way that he's like, if they're late, they're late. Like what happens if they're late? We just just sign them in late and they go yeah. like, it's not, you know, it's, and I'm making this huge, I'm like, we have to get, you know, or like, we're trying to go do something fun, like that they, that for them or that they would enjoy. And I'm like, we're trying to do something fun for you. Like put your <laughs> shoes on and like, if they don't want to do it, they don't, you know? So yeah. So definitely making things a bigger deal than they need to be and sitting back and saying, you know, what if we stayed at the park an extra 20 minutes? Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's, that's totally. beautiful. Yeah, um. totally. <laughs> well, in, in true parenting fashion, we scheduled this in the middle of your daughter's nap. So <laughs> oh, yeah, which, which is fine, you know, and there was, there was a whole like thing that happened before where she has her favorite, uh, blankie, you know, like, oh. like it has, it actually has a Fox on it and we call it Zorro, Zorro, Zorro is Spanish for Fox. And she, uh, my husband took her to our, my music class this morning and now Zorro cannot be found anywhere. And it's this huge, like thing. Mm-hmm. So right before I was like, am I, I, I didn't think I would be late, but I like went back to the park that they were at and like looked for Zorro. <laughs> it's like, this, we still can't find him. Oh, no. I just have to let it go and be like, well, she'll learn something from it or well, he'll show up at some point. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, can read the book the... Knuffle Bunny and hope. Oh, maybe yes. <laughs> I remember that book. Oh my gosh. I haven't read that book in a long time, but I used to teach parent me classes and that book was there. Oh uh-huh. my gosh. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Alana, tell us more about, you know, where our listeners can find you what they're looking for when they find you. So we didn't really touch on your show quickly. Give us, Oh, it's okay. Yeah. Give us a little rundown of what that is and like why parents should, should look for it. (laughs) Oh yeah. So I have the Atlanta banana show on YouTube. It's, um, it's a variety show, a music based variety show for preschoolers, actually, if you have a preschooler. Um, and you know, we're hoping we're actually going to be filming more videos soon, which I'm very excited about getting back into production like that. Um, but it's fun. There's lots of characters, um, you know, our message, which moving forward is like all about being kind, be creative, be you. And we're hoping to create more videos that have to do with that soon, but we have a few children's albums out wherever you stream music as the Atlanta banana show. So there's lots of music videos that go along with the albums on YouTube. Um, that's where you can also find me on Instagram, the Atlanta banana show. Really my whole life. People will call me Atlanta banana because most people say Alana, which is totally fine. It doesn't bother me, but my parents are from the South. So it's like Alana, like banana. So when I decided to do children's music, I just went with it. It was what made <laughs> the, the most sense. <laughs> yeah. It was already kind of my name. And, um, and then my podcast is inspired grownups wherever you get your podcasts. We'll make sure to get that into the show notes. <laughs> Thank um, you. Anything you want to leave parents with? We, I love to um, end podcasts or leave parents with or listeners with a tangible, something that they can go like an actionable item they can do today. What's one thing like if parents want to start shifting into this more purposeful way of parenting, what's one thing you would advise them to do? Well, what, what's coming to mind right now is what something my yoga, one of my favorite yoga teachers always said is the mind follows the breath. So in the moment right now, you can just take a deep breath. I mean, it's so, you know, I don't want to sound cheesy or cliche, but it's so true, right? If you just take a deep breath and remember that this moment right here and now, like, you can choose any thought you want. If your mind is spinning over something that you're worried about or stressed about, then just think about just for a moment, even if it's just for a little bit, something that brings joy to you. Um, if you're standing, you know, if you're driving, maybe look out, is there pretty flowers or a pretty tree outside? Like something really tangible in the moment that's right around you. Um, or so it can be as simple as that just reaching for a thought that's going to bring you some joy. And then maybe that will take you to another thought that will bring you some joy. Um, appreciation and gratitude is always something that gets me out of a negative mind and a negative place really quickly. 
So, you know, there's a lot of things that could be going wrong, but like right now I'm so grateful. I have this room that I can talk with you guys. I have my computer. I have my daughter in the other room sleeping. Um, and I just ate a great lunch, you know, something simple like that, (laughs) or think about, okay, what's going to be exciting to me? What can I do that is fun and exciting? Maybe it is just like sitting in a coffee shop with a book or your favorite book, or maybe it is just like watching your favorite show. That's like, you know, mindless that you might want to just like, Oh, I just, I might feel, you know, that maybe you might feel guilty about doing, but just do it. It brings a smile on your face. You know, I mean, I'm going to admit something. I like, as much as I love spiritual books and everything, when I watch the bachelor, I'm like, (laughs) some people hate the bachelor. And I, and I, if you're like rolling your eyes at me, that's fine. But I, I sit there with like a big grin on my face, like, oh my God. And so I'm like, this isn't bad. It's making me feel, you know, it's bringing a smile to my face. I can't believe I admitted it, but it's true, Um, (laughs) you know, or just whatever. So I really think it starts with our thoughts and then going towards then something that makes us feel good. Beautiful. Right up, right up our alley. Yeah. (laughs) Love it. Awesome. Thank Love you it. so much for having me. Thank, Thank you so much for being here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was great talking to you. For being our first guest. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Purposeful Parent Podcast. We had a really great time talking with our guests today and hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. Make sure to check out the show notes to get more information on today's guests and to check out what they are up to. To learn more about Melissa and Kristen, follow The Purposeful Parent on Instagram. You can also check out what Melissa is up to by following Inner Architect on Instagram. And to keep up with Kristen, follow Language Ninjas on Instagram. We'd love to hear how you are choosing to purposefully parent, so please feel feel free to reach out and say hi.